Building Podcast, where we focus on bigger businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your host, Wendy Papazian. And I'm Sarah Reynolds, and we are so excited for today. We have a very special guest with us, or I guess not with us, we're all on Zoom together uh, on lockdown. Uh, But today we are interviewing uh, Tiffany Fikes, and we are so, so excited for this. Tiffany Fikes leads the Fikes Realty Group, which is out of Nashville, Tennessee. She entered the real estate industry in 2009 and within just four years created a million-dollar producing team and doubled the size of her family at the exact same time. So she is such an example of having a big business and at the same time, a bigger life. Last year, her team of eight served 140 families and generated over $1.4 million in gross commission income. All of this happened while Tiffany was living in a different city and traveling with her family. So can you imagine having this amazing business operating and at the same time, you're traveling uh, with your family. And so today, we are going to talk to Tiffany about her journey over the last year or two and all that led to this decision. And we are so, so excited to have you, Tiffany. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, Tiffany. So let's really uh, recap this for our listeners. So you had a business that you grew from 2009 to now. And what led to your decision to move? So our family had always had a dream of these few different places around the world where we wanted to live. Like we've traveled a ton, but actually like having the experience of living in a different culture was something that we wanted to do. So we wanted to live in New York City. That was where Joshua and I loved. It's our, it's our favorite city in the world. Then my whole family is in Texas, Central and South Texas. And I never grew up near cousins and family. I mean, I had my core family, but grandparents were far away. All that was far away. And I thought, I want to give my kids the experience of living near family. I don't actually want to live there permanently, but I want to give them the experience. And then the third place was in Taiwan, which is where my oldest was born. So we adopted him when he was six months old and wanted to take him back to experience his culture and the country and give all of us the opportunity to do that. So all of these things were things we kind of had dreamed about, but we didn't know how to make it work. Like, how do you pull your kids out of school for three months? Because that was kind of the time in our head that we thought, if you live somewhere three months, you get over the honeymoon. You have to know how to live like real life in that place. So, but pulling kids out of school for three months just feels weird. And we didn't want to do it in the summer. And we saw no other path to this dream except to just do it all at once. And so we kind of woke up one day and said, Oh my gosh, like, you know, Asher is in uh, first grade, Aaron's in second grade, like school's about to get real for these kids. And I don't want to have to be teaching calculus to them when we do this trip. So we've got to go now. And so we I wouldn't say that our business was necessarily like, oh, this is going to be no problem. You just go ahead and go and everything's set up perfectly. But the reality is I wasn't willing to sacrifice this experience for my family for the uncertainty that it might cause in the business. And so that's kind of the background of how it all happened. Well, and I'll just explain to our readers, this is Wendy here, is that you actually spent three months in each location. So yes. your plan was to be gone and leave your business for a total of nine months. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. 
sorry, we made the decision, like we've got to do this and we've got to do it this year. Like we made that decision in December of 2018 and we left in August of 2019. So for our listeners, this is someone that is leading uh, one of the top teams in the country and feels like the next part of their sort of family journey is to take this trip for nine months, basically in three different places. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but just hearing it gives me anxiety. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to actually well, and do because that. tell us how old your kids are, Tiffany. So um, Asher is seven. He turned eight on this trip. And Aaron is nine and will actually turn 10 tomorrow. Well, and what I'm really curious about and um, is, is tell me, obviously, that sounds amazing. And um, I know I've always dreamed of taking my family and doing something like that. But tell me sort of the why behind it. I know there's good reasons to go all those places, but what was the real why behind it? I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to think or wish I had done it. Like, it's just regret. Like, I don't want to live a life of regret. And so the big why is we wanted to do it. So we're not going to let it become something we tell our kids that we had thought about doing with them. Well, I love that. And I just remember you and I having conversations, which was you really wanted to see if your team could sort of make it it on their own. Is that right? Well, at the end of the day, I was done being the one in the business. And... What do you mean by that? The one who, okay, something happens in this part of the business. And so I go and save that part of the business and something happens over here. And then I go and save that part of the business. So that's what I mean by the one. And I, yeah. So to me, it was a great chance to do both things. Like why I was okay leaving my business is because I wanted to see what would happen. And I was okay with coming back to nothing and rebuilding it. So, so the other piece of this, I think that's that's crucial. And as I sort of studied your story and have gotten to know you myself, you also weren't very happy, right? In your Being current the circumstance. One? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that was not what I wanted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you wanted to make sure almost uh, force it for your team to step up. And at the same time, making sure that you're achieving the dreams and goals that you had for your family. Yeah, which led for to sure. That. That's awesome. So let's dive into, okay, so you, so you make the decision <laughs> that you're going to do this. Okay, all of the logistics that went into that. So how long did you plan it? How, what did you have to do to get ready? So if we have a listener that's like, I want to do this too. I, I want to take some time off. And what, tell us a, a little bit about what that took to actually pull it off. Do you want both worlds or just the business? (laughs) Both worlds. We want both worlds. Um, So, I mean, you've got to figure out schooling. We have had our kids in a fabulous school here in Nashville. And so I just called them and I was like, what happens when you, your job takes you away for a year and you're coming back? And they're like, well, you bring the transcripts back with you and you'll be fine. I was like, well, what if there aren't transcripts? So we had a conversation with the school about like, this is what we're doing. Because I was trying to be incognito about it to not tell them we're just pulling our kids out and we'll bring them back. And that school actually said, you need to do this with your family. If you have the capacity to do this, do it. Your kids will be fine. They'll catch up. 
you, whatever you do with them will be enough. So go and do this. So we got the check off from the kids' school. And then we looked at, okay, the logistics of the business had to see, okay, who's who are our most trusted people in the business? Whose decisions will I lean on the most? And then where do they need to be in the business when we leave and create that path for them? So there was two key people in my business who I said, you know, guys, early, I told them early. Uh, so like the decision was made in December. I had conversations with them in March. I made sure everything was lined up and that it was really happening. And then I had conversations with two key members that basically said, this is what we're doing. Here's the opportunity for you. This is what I need from you to, to take it. And both of those people, and, and that was a conversation, like a really crucial point, because if either of those people said not interested, then we're still leaving, but the business is going to shut down. Like we're, we're not yeah. going to make it. And so getting your two you. people... That's so brave. Yeah. It, yeah. It was scary. I mean, it, yeah, it was scary the entire time, but you do it anyway. So had those conversations. Both of those people said, this is terrifying and exciting and I am all in. And that was exactly and who what were I needed those, to hear and there. who were the key players? You don't have to name them by name, but just what were their roles? Yeah, so at the time, it was somebody on my administrative team that I needed to move into director of operations. And then it was the most senior agent on my team who didn't want to be like a director of sales, but he needed to be. And he needed to be the backup for anything that happened. Like, all right, Mr. Buyer's agent, if the listing agent, something happens or we have 40 listings, are you going to take listings? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll take listings. So and you're like that parent with the kid who doesn't want to swim with this guy and you're going up to the pool and you're just like throwing him in basically. Pretty much. I held him over the water and said, can I drop you? And then... <laughs> <laughs> but, well, what I, what I hear and something we talk about a lot is every time that you say no to something, you're giving an opportunity for someone to say yes. Yeah. And so, so you saying no to, I'm not going to be everything in my business you then opened up and whether they liked it or not, right? You then opened up a huge opportunity for people in your business to say yes. I love that, Sarah. That is like a huge nugget for those of you that are listening. You know, especially if you're running your business, you're entrepreneurial, you're probably a lot like Tiffany. You are the one for everything. Maybe it's faster and easier to do that, but you just have to remember that, which is you create opportunity for other people, right? By leaving some of those those things behind. Yeah. That's huge. So, so so what are some things you discovered about yourself throughout this period? Hmm. Um, I am a better leader when I'm further away. I was telling somebody the other day, like, I will enjoy the omelet if I don't have to watch you cook it. I will enjoy the omelet a whole lot more if I don't have to watch you cook it. And so that distance, I mean, I had always said, I'm part of what is standing in the way of our business growing to whatever that yeah. next level is. And getting away said, I'm definitely not helping by being there. And it is going to be the space that allows the business to grow. Good for you. Again, super brave. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I know you and I, you and I have known each other for a long time, and we've had that conversation many times where you're like, I'm standing. 
I'm standing in the way. And you just took a more drastic approach to it, I think, than a lot of people do. What What are some action items for our listeners in terms of knowing if you're if you're standing in the way of your business, if you know that's you, and maybe you can't take the nine months off or or whatever that might be, what are some action items that you've implemented now that you're back? Because you're back now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not in the office as much. Now, okay. part of that is easier because everything's virtual. Like, I mean, nobody's in the office. But I won't be in the office as much. I will continue to work virtually with the team more than I am in person because it allows me to have that distance, which allows me to have the ideas and really do my job, which is moving the business forward. Yes. Yep. I discovered that anytime I ha- I've had babies because I've taken the time off and that's when the best brain power has happened because I'm, I've been away from the business, same thing. Yeah. Um, it's so powerful and it's so important for each leader to take that time to do that. Well, and I think it's so interesting because I think the three of us have something in common, which is we're all fairly operational, right? We all can kind of do, we all have the vision and we all can dig down and get into the details And as leaders, sometimes that can hold you back, right? When you're good at a lot of stuff, like I've often said, you know, that has, that, that has held me back when you're kind of good at everything. And I'm not trying to brag and say I'm kind of good at everything, but there are some people who are just true visionaries and they, they literally cannot do the details. And so I think the three of us have kind of suffered from that. And so it's really giving up control is what we're talking about. It's so true. Yeah. So true. That's huge. Well, Tiffany, I'm curious about the travel part because I love to travel and I know our listeners are excited too. So tell us about landing in New York. I guess you drove to New York and what were those three months? And honestly, you dodged a bullet with your timing because you got there right before New York went on lockdown, essentially. Yeah. Oh yeah. The timing of all of this. If we had reversed this trip, it would be a nightmare. Yeah. So we packed up our car. We fit whatever we could fit in it and drove to New York City. Finding housing was actually one of the most stressful things. It's hard to find housing in any of these locations for an extended period of time. You're basically looking for a three-month furnished rental. So we didn't find our apartment for New York until two weeks before we left. Wow. Which... For my planning, I like planning and that is some anxiety. Well, it's not like you're focused and fancy free. You've got two children, a husband. Yeah, right. So, but we were ecstatic. Oh yeah. And see, we've got to be in a certain part of the city because of the dog. But we drove up, got to our apartment. It was on the Upper West Side and we had a two bedroom, one bath apartment. And actually, it's funny, this morning, Joshua and I woke up missing our two bedroom apartment. Not just New York, but like, Oh, I missed that apartment. It was such a good little apartment. Well, and I love that because it's always been a dream of yours and Joshua's to to live in New York City as long as I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. And now we have that. We have that memory. I love that. So yeah, we just dove in to New York City. We signed the boys up for classes. We found out uh, Seychelles actually told us about the 92Y and we did classes there. So like Joshua was doing drawing classes and the boys were doing hip hop and I took tap dance and started meeting people. Cause that's the other thing is we didn't want to just like, we wanted to engage in the community. And so playing with the kids out in the courtyard and taking them to the park at the same time. So we were meeting people and friends and 
intense. Well, and I know there was a little drama because those of us that were following you on your your Instagram, I guess, or your Facebook, there was some drama with the dog, right? Oh, yeah. So the dog, I, I didn't think about that at all. The dog has to pee on the sidewalk and do all his business on the sidewalk. <laughs> and like this dog who's had a yard his entire life, I just never thought about it. And you will get socially shunned if your dog pees on the tiny bit of grass, you know, it doesn't have a tree growing in it. Yeah, so this yeah. dog held out for like two weeks, would just hold it <laughs> until we got to the park. And it took about three weeks before the dog would pee and still couldn't get him to do the other for about a month. Oh, but guy. then about two months in, of course, once we are ending our time, wrapping it up, the dog is good to go. So <laughs> I now have a city dog. That's awesome. Now, and at the same time, you were you had started homeschooling the kids, right? Yeah. Yep. During the New York time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually, the drive-in, we were starting the school in the car. So we did school and then Joshua and I both worked remotely because this wasn't a like complete disengagement from work. So talk to me about that because I learned a lot from you um, personally uh, that we've used during this uh, COVID time as a team. So tell our listeners about how, how, tell us about your work schedule during this trip. So I was with the boys in the morning, most days of the week, just setting them up with school, getting them trained like the dog on how to do school themselves. And, but then I would work in the afternoon and I set up a couple of blocks for my team that I called office hours. And they were there so that kind of to replace the pop by, I wanted them to feel like I was available and I could already feel them saying things like, oh, I don't want to bother you. Oh, I don't know what's going on. And so I wanted them to have blocks of time where they knew they could catch me. It very rarely happened, but I would just sit with Zoom up like this and I would just work on something else that I could put away if somebody popped in. And, you know, it happened one or two times where people knew they could schedule time with me into that block, but it gave them access to me that they felt like they were missing by my leaving. It, it's brilliant, honestly, uh, because any leader can do that no matter where you are, right? And, and it's showing your team, I'm available during this time and I and and you have the ability to do that, you know, in any location. Um, and so I think that's been huge. We started doing that on our entire executive leadership team during uh, this lockdown period. Um, and so it's pretty cool that uh, that idea has now all of us are implementing it, it seems, across the board. It's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, and tell me about homeschooling because I know you and you are not the most patient nurturing friend I have. No offense, <laughs> Tiffany, you're a wonderful mother, but um, those are not really your, those aren't your core strengths. No. And so tell me how you manage that. Yeah. Homeschooling was not a thing on my like life to-do list. However, I mean, I took the idea that our kids can manage themselves. They're still going to need some help, but if you set up the parameters, kids will rise to whatever those parameters are that you set. That's the kind of friend that I am. <laughs> I believe the most, I believe you are the most capable. I believe you're more capable than you think you are. So well, I, I love that. The, and that's a theme already for this, for this episode, right? Because that's what you're doing with your team too, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah what a gift. It really is what I believe. I believe everybody is capable of 
whatever they want to do and sometimes more than they think they can do. So with the kids, I um, knew a little bit about Acton Academy and the concept of like online learning and that kids can manage themselves. I, I knew enough about Montessori and that sort of stuff. So I just kind of like said, all right, boys, here are your parameters. You have this checklist and it's got all the school on it. And some of it you're going to need me for like spelling. Like I've not, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I've not figured out how for them to study spelling on their own. Um, but, and here are my hours that I'll be with you. And then, so you need to ask me to do spelling when, when I, it's in these hours and you need to do your math and you need to do whatever needs to get done on this, this sheet. We're here to help you and support you. You just come and ask us and we'll do that. And you make all the choices about what you do. I am not going to micromanage this process for you. And you get to do TV when you're done with school. Because that was always our rule. We never did screen time during school days. So for them, you get your screen time when school's done. And if that's on Thursday, great. And it wasn't on Thursday for quite a few weeks. It actually wasn't on Saturday either on some weeks. And I had to let them fail at it. And it was a, mm. that was a big like learning thing for me because I said I wasn't going to manage them. And then they'd be playing Legos all morning when with my two-hour block. And I would just, I'd remind them and then when they didn't make the choice I thought they should make, I would like, okay, we've got to do spelling, boys. I would step back in and do the same thing that I always do. And then when I got tired of that finally, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is their responsibility. I let them go one time. They did Legos like the whole time and played in the courtyard. And then on Saturday, their school wasn't done. And it was so sorry. And we're still staying at in this two-bedroom apartment now on Saturday for us to finish this. And then they never had a week like that. Most weeks after that, they were done on Thursday. Did, did you have moments like that with your team? Because one, one of the things that my mom has taught me, so I work with my mom, Debbie, and she has let me fail on multiple things when she knew ahead of time from watching that I, I was going down that path. And, and I constantly thank her for that because the reality is is we don't learn if we if we don't sometimes fail ourselves. So did you have moments where you were seeing from afar maybe team members making certain decisions and you were like, okay, I need to not step in and let them learn through this or were you like, oh, yeah, you for guys sure. been playing with Legos all week because I don't <laughs> see any closings coming up. <laughs> well, it was more like we would still have leadership meetings. So I would be in those leadership meetings engaged and I would hear them discussing like a new hire and what position they were going to put them in. And I would say, just like I did with the boys, like, all right, boys, you have me for two hours. I would say, have you considered X, Y, and Z? Yes, we have. This is what we need to do. Okay, great. And I let them do it. And literally this week, that decision, I, I said, guys, this was your decision. You're going to solve this now because this is what you wanted to do. I'm not going to pick up the mess. Yes. So here you go. It's going to be a couple of tough conversations and you're going to learn a lot. Well, also what that does is your team then has to take responsibility. So if you had jumped in and said, no, do this, do this, do this, then they can turn around and say, well, it didn't work, Tiffany. You told us to do this. Whereas now you can turn to them and say, well, those are all your choices. And I'm sorry, it didn't work. And how are you going to fix it? Yep. 
Exactly. It works the same with parenting. <laughs> it's true. It's true empowerment, though. I mean, truly, when they can learn the lessons themselves and and go through it themselves without us stop stepping in, that's one of the things that I my probably my greatest area of improvement as a leader because I'm constantly wanting to fix it before it happens. And yeah. you can't develop other leaders if you're doing that. And so right now, I'm constantly reminding myself of that, and it's so good to hear it works with our kids. It also works with our team members and developing their leadership because they need to do that, right? They need to develop that. Yeah. So failure is uh, the best thing that we can give our kids and the people in our world. Yes. Well, okay. So I'm curious. So you guys had a fantastic time in New York. I saw all your, you became practically natives in three months. And I, I remember somebody uh, on Facebook was actually asking you for a recommendation for something, which I <laughs> for a restaurant, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then it was time to go visit your family in Texas and uh, give us give us a highlight there because I really want to focus on the last part of your trip. Yeah, man, Texas was better than we expected it to be from the adults. So the kids we knew w- would love it, but I mean, we were going from New York City to like a two thousand person town in South Texas wow. where Popeye's was our eat out of, like option. So, but at the same time, we, uh, it, w- it was as easy as you hear it is with family. Like life is just simpler. And when you have family around, it's easier. Fa- communities built in and babysitters are sometimes built in and everything's just easier there. So it was a great time. So much so that we'd say, we'd go back again. Like we'd go spend another month down there. And I wouldn't have said that would be true before we went. So we loved our time in Texas. And then it was time for you to move on. And you thought, well, there's a global pandemic that's about to hit the world. Why don't I go not to China, but to Taiwan, which for those of you that don't know, is essentially, it's right next door to China. Right, it's a part of China. If you're talking to China, right? Right. Yeah, and 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 tell tell us the date on that, just so we have a frame of reference. So we left on February 20th. Okay. So everything was just starting to get real, and and we left saying, "Look, guys, it's going to be everywhere soon, anyway. So we're just going to go because this is. I mean, why not?" It's, it's going to be here too. So let's just go and keep our plans. So um, out of all the places in, in the world to go to abroad, can you tell just a, a brief why you chose Taiwan? Yeah, so Taiwan is where our oldest was born. And so we went back to give him the opportunity to meet his birth mother and experience his culture. And we also wanted to give him the chance, like he's an Asian kid in a white family and so we wanted to take him there where he could see adults and like see people like him and put him into a comfort level where ne- maybe necessarily we don't quote unquote fit in there. Yeah, yeah you show up, um, you, you actually go to the, the place that you've booked like on Airbnb or whatever it is and what happens? Yeah, so we we got into Taiwan and we spent a couple of weeks, you know, with all of Aaron's history and visiting all of that. And then we get to where we're landing in Kaohsiung. And that's the time which this got like super real and America's numbers started skyrocketing. And we literally had talked to the host that morning, got into a taxi, drove to the apartment, and we were met at the door 
by this poor person's friends, the owner's friends, that the building was not going to let an American into the building because there was too much risk of spreading the coronavirus. And so we literally have our backpacks and all of our things for two months and we can't go inside. And that is our lodging. And like I said, finding lodging is hard. And they're closing the borders. Like that next day, they close the borders and everything just gets really crazy. And so we have to find somewhere to live in 20 minutes. I mean, not, not yeah, really. because you've got your Four kids hours. there, right? And you're probably tired wherever you've yeah. been traveling from. Yeah. So what did you do? So we, the, the friends, the host was awesome because it wasn't his fault. He found a hotel room for us that night, which was kind of right around the corner. And so we went there, not very willingly. I, I, I tried logic and logic does not work um, in fear, mm-hmm. in an incredible fear. Because yeah. we, we're like, we've already been here. We, we're out of quarantine. There's nothing wrong with us. If we caught it, we caught it from you. That didn't yeah, go over go very over. well. <laughs> um, but so we, went, so we went to the hotel room after I knew there was no way we were getting into this apartment and started looking at other options. And in the process, realized we kept having that experience multiple places. Like, where's your passport? How long, where are you from? I can tell in your accent, you know, well, you're you from told America. me that you, you felt like you could really understand racism for the first time. Oh, for sure. People were getting up off of on the subway and moving away from us. Like people would wow. walk on the other side of the street. Like it was my white privilege to say that is the very first time that I truly experienced it in a way that that's real. I mean, it's real. And I always knew it was real, but you don't know really what it's like until you're sitting there. So true. So then you land in your hotel and yeah. it's uh, it's just a one room hotel, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as suites or anything like right, that. Right, right. I, we no, were lucky no to find a hotel there. with two beds. Like that was our blessing that we found something with two beds. Yeah. Wow. And then, so what you did was originally you were in a different room, but then you got, uh, because there's very few people in the hotel, right? Yeah. We scouted out the hotel. And so you got a room that was adjacent to the lobby. So then the lobby became sort of your, I guess, extension of your, of your living quarters. Yeah. We called it our living room. Right. Um, and we just lived out there. We left our door propped open all like not all the time, but a lot of the time and decided to just stay in that hotel because people made us breakfast every morning and that's sure nice. And, um, people cleaned our, cleaned our hotel room. So great. And so, yeah, we just lived in that space. The boys would, you know, split up because they were doing different classes and one would be out in the lobby or our living room. And only once in two months. Did we have someone come and sit in our living room? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was, was during a Zoom funny. meeting we were having. Yeah. <laughs> you're like had surreptitiously so, t- taken this picture of the sky. You were like, "Who <laughs> is in my living room?" <laughs> it was bold of him because, like, he sat down and then he stayed for two hours with us. Yeah, we're like, "Come on, dude!" Yeah. At this point, you were used to people running from you, let alone uh, yeah. hanging right. out with you, yeah. right? Well, right. it's kind of like walking home and like literally finding someone in your living room and then really not saying anything, just being like, "Who yeah. is this guy and why is he here?" And then finally, two hours later, he walks out the front door. Yeah. So from New York to Texas to Taiwan, 
What was your favorite part of the trip? Oh, that is so hard. Um, I mean, New York was the dream, was my personal dream. So I loved that. And Taiwan didn't get a fair shot because, you know, the world exploded while we were there and we still loved it. Like we still loved it while we were there, even with all of that going on. And so, I mean, my favorite part was that I can sit here today and say that I did it and that it was great. It was everything we hoped it would be. And we came back to a business. Yes. So that's my favorite part. I love that. Well, honestly, I think that's probably a great spot to end. Um, We learned a lot from you today, Tiffany. We learned how to be Uh, First of all, understand when you're doing something in your business and it's not working, you are literally, you know, what's the old old saying? The the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And most people would take a minor tweak and change their business that way. But Tiffany, you took a huge leap and you are so brave to do that. Uh, We also learned that you can do hard things. Even when the world is falling apart, you can literally go out and follow your dream and take your family with you. And um, honestly, I love what you said, which is you've always wanted to live in New York. And uh, that dream came true for you. And you gave your husband and your family an incredible experience. And I'm sure you grew as a family. We didn't really talk about that. And I feel certain that you and your husband grew as husband and wife right? Through all this, you guys are still together. So there you go. We're still married, so for sure. (laughs) So there you go. So thank you so much for sharing your journey. I think it's just been super incredible. And I hope you guys tune in next time for the next episode of Empire Building. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform, And please help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.